When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Deepak Chopra. He is the author of Abundance, The Inner Path to Wealth. Deepak, it's so great to have you again. Thank you so much. Nice to be with you. Likewise. Um, I always say we like repeat customers because we had you on not too long ago for uh, your book, Metahuman, which was your 90th book. And this is your 92nd book. Um, So it's great to have you back and continue the conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before we tackle this book, and and let me just say, there's so much to tackle. It's so fascinating. I'm just so curious, Deepak, about your process, because you you possess this vast wealth of knowledge. There's so much to get to. How do you decide to write? How do you decide what to write about and sort of hone in on one particular topic? What's that process like for you? There is no process. You know, I'm always thinking and speaking. And sometimes when I'm giving a speech, I say something which I never planned to. And then it sounds like a good idea. So so why not do a book about it? The other thing I do is I write every day, whatever comes to my mind, (coughs) with no intention of writing a book. And then somehow it turns into three books or something like that. So my attitude is God's writing the book. I collect the royalties. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I always wondered if, if you were somebody who has, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, aha, that's it, you know, and you write it down. Does that no, ever happen? I, actually, what I do do is I ask myself questions before I sleep at night. And in the morning, I download the answers that I do every day. Interesting. And you mentioned sometimes, you you know, you'll you'll write about, you know, like something you said in a speech and that'll turn that that may turn into three books that yeah. that's kind of the process yeah wow. yeah it's there's never a structure to my madness yeah a method to your madness <laughs> um well we we love the madness let's let's get into this book um i read that is this true that you this came out of the pandemic and i, I was curious did you start writing this before the pandemic or was the pandemic a catalyst to this book? Tell, tell us it what happened. Two things. I was, uh, the pandemic had just started and I happened to listen to a lyric of Bob Marley. And um, the lyric said, some people are so poor, all they have is money. So I thought about that. And then I started looking at all the very, very wealthy people that I knew and asked, do they have security? Most didn't. Do they feel safe? Most didn't. Do they have a good, vital, sensual experience of existence every day? Most of them didn't. 
do you have the capacity to love and have compassion? A few. Do they focus on creative expression, insight, intuition, higher consciousness, transcendence? Say, so what the heck is going on? You know, some people are indeed so poor, all they have is money. Then I also realized the biggest source of stress is money uh, for most people. And that's because they uh, spend money that they haven't earned to buy things that they don't need to impress people that they don't like. And then they wonder why they have all the stress. So the book, which I'm holding in my hand, is about these seven levels of fulfillment, and money is one of them. In fact, I talk about the yoga of money in the book right in the beginning, get it over with, and then say, what else is there in life? Right, exactly. Well, we will get to that in a moment because that juxtaposition of yoga and money, that's that was not what I was expecting <laughs> to see because there are books about money and books about yoga, but I've never seen so the you two. Know, if you look at the four goals of life in yoga, and Sanskrit, it's artha, which means money, kama, which means pleasure, dharma, which means purpose, and moksha, which means freedom. So it's right in line with yoga. So it's right in line. And I guess I'm someone who's never done yoga. So I guess that's why you know, I'm, a, I'm a typical reader where I went, wow, this is, this is fascinating. And, and as you read about it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you touched upon this, but when I first read the title, you know, The Inner Path to Wealth, the first the first idea that came to my head, Deepak, what kind of wealth are we talking about? You mentioned money, but is this is this spiritual? Is this emotional wealth as, as well? It's material wealth, emotional wealth, and spiritual wealth, and also relationship, all of that. Because, you know, when you look at the different uh, areas of well-being, they combine everything. If you're lacking in one, most people do, in fact, stress about money, and then they get stressed, and then they have physical and emotional distress as well. Right. I mean, you talk about in the book, you, you say it's about cultivating a sense of abundance in times of fear and insecurity, which I think typifies exactly what we're going through. So so tell us a little bit about you know the, the genesis of, of why yoga is so important on this journey, and if you can connect the two. If you can look at the word yoga, it means yoke, and actually it means union, and union not with some other outside divine source, but union with your own self, not confusing your selfie with yourself, which is what's happened in the world. We've sacrificed ourselves for our selfies. But if you connect with yourself, then you have infinite creativity, you have infinite abundance, and you find opportunities even in the midst of distress. So right now in this pandemic, I wrote a book. I reinvented my body. I resurrected my soul. And I created some new technologies. And that's called abundance. Right. You know, I actually, I was thinking about you. And I'm sure a lot of people were throughout the pandemic, you know, this heightened state of duress that we were all under. I was thinking, based on our conversation last time, honest to God, I wonder what what Deepak's doing right now. How he how he's getting through it this once in a lifetime pandemic because there's no script for it. And you know, using your principles, I, I wondered you know how, how you were navigating. So what in you just said, did you say you re, you reinvented your soul? Is that what I just heard you say? Yeah, I reinvented my I reinvented my body. I resurrected my soul. <laughs> reinventing the body means I'm physically fit. 
And resurrecting my soul means I have no stress in my life. Okay. And would, in that physical fitness, was that from yoga or just how did you do it? Yoga, exercise, meditation, taking it easy, deep breathing, good sleep, emotional uh, resilience, conflict resolution, many things. Many things. And you, and you write in the book, um, abundance is a state of awareness. Mm-hmm. And you talk about this shift of awareness. I think you said the state of awareness brings happiness and, and success and you know, with the money needed for both. So talk a little bit about that because I, I feel like some people might say, um, I'm aware, I'm happy, but that's not necessarily getting me to that next level of, of financial. Um, you know, well-being. So social scientists have done a lot of work on what makes people happy. And in fact, there's something called the happiness formula. And here it is. I'll give it to you free of charge. Great. H, H is equal to S plus C plus V. So H stands for happiness. S stands for set point in the brain. So some people, when they see a situation, all they see is a problem. They complain, they condemn, they criticize, they play the victim. Those are the unhappy people. The happy people in the same situation see an opportunity. They say, what is the opportunity in this adversity? And they switch it. Now, this experience of your attitude towards life is determined in your childhood. Uh, by your parents and social environment. So if your parents were always unhappy, you'll grow up to be an unhappy person. If they were happy, then you'll grow up to be a happy person. So this is bad news. You say, I didn't do anything. It's not my fault. My parents did it to me. But the fact is you can change that through training, through mindfulness, through inquiry. You can switch the unhappy people. 50% of our happiness experience just comes from this one thing. That's called S, set point, plus C, conditions of living, mainly financial conditions. So if you look at the data, if someone wins a lottery, they're very poor and they win a lottery, then be ecstatic in the beginning, $20 million. In six months, their plateau in one year, they return to their baseline. In fact, they're more unhappy. They're thinking of saving taxes, putting money away in Bermuda or something like that and then worried about the IRS, um, and on and on. So 10% of your happiness experience comes from money. The remaining 40% comes from the choices you make. There are two kinds of choices we make every day. One is for personal pleasure. You know, people like to go out, have a good time, alcohol, sex, this, that, and the other, shopping. Um, That makes people happy but only for two, three days. After that, they have to repeat the same experience to be happy. And if they have an addictive personality, then they get addicted to pleasure. But there's another kind of choice, which is, do you have meaning and purpose in your life? Are you fulfilled? Are you grateful for what you have? And can you make other people happy? If you can make another person happy, you'll be happy. And you don't have to spend money to do that. You give them attention, affection, appreciation, acceptance, and you make them happy, then you feel happy too. C-Suite Radio. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, Deepak, of a, a conversation I often have with um, people in my orbit, especially in this time of a pandemic and people not working. And everyone says, I'd love to retire early. I'm very, I'm very good at R&R and I would oh, just love to stop working. And I was like, would you, I feel like after a couple of weeks, you'd get bored and you'd you lose what you said, that, that purpose that, you know, the grind of working, but I'm not so sure that people would want to quote unquote, be doing nothing and just relaxing. I think that, that gets old and that ties into what you just said. That gets old. Yeah. Meaningful life is a life well lived. A joyful life is a life well lived. Yeah. Something you just said I wanted to pick up on because you talked about if someone's unhappy, it's because the household they were raised in, their parents were unhappy. I I often have this- Social environment. Social environment. Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry. Let me correct that. Social environment. But I often have this debate of how much of your personality is genetic, Deepak, versus nature versus nurture. So- I I find that I'm a believer that I I think that a lot of personality is genetic and it can be tweaked based on the social environment. It can, you know, for the, for the worst, but do you believe that personality traits and let's say happiness is a genetic factor? I'm curious your thoughts on that. There's no study on happiness, but there's study on diseases. So only 5% of diseases are genetically fully penetrant which means there are 5% of genes that guarantee disease. Like Angelina Jolie had this uh, Baraka gene. She had to have a preventive mastectomy. The rest of them are epigenetic, which means you can modify them through lifestyle. If that holds true of physical illness, I think that might hold true of happiness too, but I don't know. Right, right. It, it, it is just that that nature versus nurture. I, I, I am someone who feels that um, just because I'm one of four children and all four of us have very similar personalities and we're all very much combinations of our parents. Um, but then I, you know, I see other families where it is a bit different. So it, it worked for me, but yeah. um, it, it's, 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 an, so I was just curious. I, to I would say it's both, and, but yeah. you know, the genetic part can be modified. That's yeah. what I that's right. And I, yeah. And I, and I've seen that as well. Um, you know, there's so much to tackle in this book and we're running out of time, but you know, I just like to tease everybody about what they can expect. Um, you mentioned a word which stuck out to me when I read the book. Um, you mentioned a word earlier, you said Dharma. And in the book, you say the key to wealth is being in your Dharma. Can you, can you repeat that, that sentiment but, again? Dharma is a Sanskrit word, which means purpose, meaning, and passion. So you have a to have a PhD in Dharma. P stands for passion, H stands for hunger, and D stands for drive. When you have that, then you're on target. You're on target. Oh, and 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 this book helps you get there. Yes, is, absolutely. Is, I hope is, so. Is really what it's about. Something else. I, so many unique. Uh, you know, there's there's exercises in the book too, which I wasn't expecting. Um, you ask the reader to fill out what you call your soul profile, which I thought was fascinating. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and how you came up with that questionnaire, so, so to speak. If you want to know your ego profile or somebody else's ego profile, go to LinkedIn and you'll see their bio. But that's not who they are. Okay, Who they are is what are their peak experiences? What is purpose and meaning to them? What is their contribution to their family, to their friends, to the world? 
who are their heroes, mentors in religion or philosophy or politics or leadership. Your soul profile is your passion, your purpose, things that make you happy, the quality of your relationships, emotional and social intelligence, mentors and heroes, quality of relationships, and your physical and emotional health. That tells you what a person is. Not their bio doesn't tell you what their person is. Bio tells you what other people think of them. Right. Like I think you meant your bio on other social media websites like LinkedIn and, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, because you Even say the society today where we sacrifice, as I said earlier, ourselves for our selfies. We think we are our self-image and that takes us away from self-esteem. Self-image is what other people think of you. Self-esteem is what you think of yourself. Right. Yeah. We sacrifice ourselves for our selfies. Um, that, that, that is so true. How, how do you feel about uh, selfies? Since you mentioned it, if someone says, hey, uh, Deepak, can we take a selfie? Do you do you say, what, what is your response? I like to make people happy. I say, sure. Okay. Do you take yeah. selfies yeah. on your own? No. no. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't think I didn't think you did. Um, you know, you mentioned also karma earlier, all these kind of buzzwords that do you believe in karma? And is it the karma that we all we all associate it with? Yeah, karma is not what people think. Karma means action and past experiences and how we've been influenced by them. So if we've had a traumatic experience, we recycle it because the memory haunts us. If we've had happy experiences, we recycle them too. The goal is not to have good or bad karma. The goal is to be independent of karma and have freedom. Right. I love that part. Um, finally, I did just want to mention, you mentioned earlier, um, I think you mentioned uh, seven chakras. Why was it important for you in part three of the book to bring it back to chakras? Chakras are centers of awareness. Same thing as Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, security and safety, sensual experience and sexual satisfaction, material success and money, love and belonging, creative expression, higher consciousness and transcendence. This is what humans aspire to. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. You said that. I think you mentioned that in our last interview because I was a debater in high school and I love the Maslow hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. And it, it. I, I still relate to it um, to this day. Um, the chakras are. That's just an ancient word for the yeah. hierarchy of needs. And Maslow kind of stole that. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, final thought, um, and I, I think I know the answer to this, but have you achieved your inner path to wealth or would you say it's it's constantly evolving? No, I think um, um, I've arrived. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll take it. Um, can you give us a, a, a snippet or a sneak peek into what's to come? Book number 92, three or four? <laughs> yes, actually, now the next book is called Living in the Light, Yoga for Self-Realization. And then the next book after that is The Future of Humanity at every level, including technology, AI, and all of that. Wow, great teases. I can't, I can't wait to get into it. Um, and I did want to mention, your books are translated. I don't know if you know this, but I think you do. Your books are translated into 43 languages. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that say, it says it all, and no yeah. pun intended. <laughs> I don't want to apologize about that. No, no. I mean, obviously it's, it's knowledge that, you know, we're all human and no matter what language you speak, 
you know, it's the language of humanity that yeah. you're, that you're so fluent at. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with us again and um, look forward to, um, especially when you get to that hundredth book, right? I mean, I guess that's the goal. We'll see. We'll We'll see. see. Thanks for having me though. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Thanks a lot. And if you'd like, and if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.